I feel quite annoyed when people see, you know, the pursuit of looking good as something that's quite shallow or frivolous because I think it's it's something that makes you feel good and why wouldn't you why wouldn't you want that? Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I am your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart, and each episode I sit down with a guest to ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them that they take to a desert island, aka beauty island, that I am sending them off to. But before you go all survivor on me, this doesn't necessarily mean practical products. Rather, it's the beauty products they've come across throughout their lives that carry significant stories or memories for them. Think the product that reminds them of their mum, the beauty product that define their teens, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is editor and journalist Edwina Carbaracle former health, beauty and style editor of Mamma Mia, among many other roles, she's now a freelance writer and social media consultant, with her work being published in Sydney Morning Herald, News.com.au and Body and Soul, to name just a few. She was also my boss at my first proper media job when I worked as a beauty writer at Mamma Mia and The Glow as it was then known, and has been an important teacher and mentor for me, so this was a really special chat. We talk about adult acne, why motherhood has made her even more ambitious, the difference between AHAs and BHAs and what the hell they are in the first place, and why, for God's sake, you should stop shaking your hairdryer when you use it. I hope you enjoy. Eddie, thank you so much for coming on to Beauty Island. This is a bit of a disclaimer because you are the first person that I've interviewed who I know very well because you were my first boss. Really? There first proper boss and boss at Mamma Mia. So I'm really excited to have you on. I'm thrilled to be here. So you, to give people a bit of a background about what you do, you're currently a freelance editor, journalist, copywriter, social media strategist and brand consultant with By Edwina. Very well done. That's that correct. That was a mouthful. You do a lot of things. <laughs> But you have also worked at Clio and Dolly. You were the editor of The Glow, which is obviously Mamma Mia's health and beauty section, and then the health, beauty and style editor at Mamma Mia. So you've done some incredible things in your career and the magazine space. But I wonder, were you always interested in beauty or what was your first beauty memory? I think I have been. Um, My first beauty memory is one of those memories that I'm not sure if it comes from myself or if I've just been told it that many times that it's become my own memory. So my mum tells this story that when I was about three or four she would always find me rummaging through her beauty bag, I would always be playing with her lipstick, um, handbags, shoes, clothes, I was absolutely obsessed. So apparently I would change my outfit about 20 times a day uh, to the point where mum was so concerned about me that she thought she might have to do a parenting course to know how to deal with my beauty obsession, my beauty and fashion obsession. And so she called up this kind of parenting course helpline and said, you know, I'm really worried about my daughter. She's obsessed with clothes and beauty. 
Um, and they said, well, what are you worried about? If that's the biggest problem that you're having with your child, consider yourself lucky. So I think luckily mum let me do my thing. And yeah, my passion for beauty has been a real lifelong obsession. And you have two sisters. Yes. And you're very close to your family. What was childhood like? Where did you grow up in Sydney? I did, yeah. I grew up in Sydney. I've got an older sister, Kate, and a younger sister, Liz. Um, They're my best friends in the world. They're incredible people. It wasn't always that way when we were younger. I think we definitely, you know, steal each other's clothes, steal each other's beauty products, and we'd fight a lot. But these days, we're as thick as thieves. Um, My parents are two gorgeous people. Um, My dad works in um, tax publishing and my mother's a really passionate teacher. And my childhood was great. It was very much the suburban dream, you know. We'd often roam around on weekends, find some other kids in the suburb and hang around with them all day, come back to eat and get watered and go back out again. Obviously, passion for fashion and beauty was evident quite early. Did that shape, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh gosh, I didn't really know. I think um, I'd look at my dad going to work with his briefcase and I thought, man, I'd love to be a businesswoman one day, um, pretty much just so I could carry around a briefcase, I think. I have always had a love for words. Um, I love writing words. I love putting them together. I love putting them together for other people. I love reading them. So I think it was quite a natural thing for me to want to go into journalism. And I think I'm also a really curious person. I love finding out about people. I love finding out about how things work. Um, Whenever I go to a party, I'm that person that, you know, I'll start chatting to someone and I'll know their blood type. I'll know what keeps them up at night and they'll probably you know, not even know my name. So I really do love talking to other people. I think everyone has a story and I love storytelling, whether that's, you know, through journalism or it's through some of the brands that I work with. So we will find out more about how you turn that into your career, but I do want to hear about, obviously this is Beauty Island. I want to know about the products that you love and have stories with. So the first product on your list is the Longcom Juicy Tubes in Lychee, which was the first product you ever owned. Yes. Look, I think maybe it wasn't the exact first product I ever owned, but I think Lip Smackers probably came a little bit before the Longcom Juicy Tubes, but it was probably the first product that I ever really coveted. You know, I'd see the ads in magazines and I thought it looked amazing and I saved up my best and less money and went out and bought it. And it just made me feel so grown up. Um, which is quite hilarious because it was sparkly, glossy and so pink, so candy pink. Um, But it was a beautiful product. It went on my lips like cellophane. It was so incredibly sticky and glossy and it tasted, you know, a 13-year-old girl's dream. It was very sweet and tacky. Um, But it was almost like that gateway into beauty. It made me feel great. And beauty's always been about feeling good for me. I think that... If you look good, you feel good. And I don't think there's anything shallow about that. And so I feel quite annoyed when people see, you know, the pursuit of looking good as something that's quite shallow or frivolous. Because I think it's, it's something that makes you feel good. And why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want that? I completely agree. And I mean, that's kind of the idea behind Beauty Island is about beauty products being more than what you put on your face. They have stories, but it's equally okay just to put something on your face because you love how it looks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now you studied communications at UTS and your first role was at Dolly. 
Dolly Magazine. Yes. So I interned at Clio Magazine for about 10 months, which was so much fun. This was at a time where magazines were definitely in the, the decline, but they weren't in the sort of state that they are today, sadly. And so that was great fun. And a job came up across the hall on level seven, which is where Clio was at Dolly Magazine. I went in and met the editor at the time, Tiffany Dunk, who is still a great mentor of mine. She's a wonderful, wonderful journalist and wonderful woman. And she gave me the job as the editorial coordinator, which is essentially managing the office, making sure everything runs smoothly, helping with the production of the magazine, going to get coffees for important people, um, that sort of thing. But very quickly, I got to take on lots of extra work. I got to do lots of features. I did some celebrity photo shoots. I compiled some beauty pages, which I really loved. And it really got me hooked on writing. And obviously, those are iconic Australian magazines, Cleo, Dolly, and I think you also ended up at Cosmo yes, as in well. Yes, yeah. I don't know if you've watched it, but I've been obsessed with the bowl type on Stan recently, which is... Everyone's talking you've got, about you it. Will, okay, you I need to it. watch it. So I just want to know, what, what was it like? Work, was it as glamorous as people imagine when you say you're working at these glossy magazines? And particularly, you know, when it's your first your first few jobs were you just kind of in awe of everything that was going I on I was definitely in awe of everything was it glamorous no oh my gosh I spent as an editorial coordinator in my first role I spent a lot of time down at the docks just getting the products and packages that came in for other people and wheeling them up in this awful lift that you always felt as though it was going to cark out and you were going to be in there for days but that was the lot of the editorial coordinator <laughs> um so Look, it wasn't that glamorous. There were glamorous things about it, but I think it was more just being immersed with all these creative women, women who were so passionate about what they did and I just soaked up everyone's vibes and was a little sponge and took everything on board. Now, the second product on your list is the product that kind of defined your teens and 20s, which is a bronzer, I believe. Can you tell me a bit about that? Absolutely. So in my teens, so sort of that late 90s, early 90s stage was when bronzer was really coming out. And if you go back and you look at The Simple Life, Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, you'll see the kind of bronzer that was available at the time. It was really dirty, really mucky, not subtle at all and very shiny and that was the look that I really went for at that time. Um, It was a time where I was really starting to experiment with my beauty routine, with what I was putting on my face, a lot of questionable choices but it was such a fun time of self-expression and my face of Australia bronzer really played into this. It's discontinued amazingly. Um, They have some better formulas out now Um, but it was a loose kind of powder and you just slap so much on your brush twirl it around on your face and you were ready to go out for the night after you'd also put on of course your frosty lip or (laughs) eyeshadow so it just has a, a a lot of memories for me that bronzer Now I've definitely upgraded to something a little nicer. I love Bobbi Brown's um, bronzing powder in golden light. I think for someone who has pale skin like me, it's nice to just dust something on that is not going to make you look mucky and dirty. It's just going to subtly enhance what you've got. So I've learned. I've come a long way. The bronzer technology has definitely improved. (laughs) It really has. You were starting and working at a time when digital and social media was really like the start of when it became an important thing to focus on. Was that an exciting time to be involved? Absolutely. I think there's a certain stage when you work in magazines where 
you know, you're working on summer in winter, you're working on winter in summer. It just doesn't feel very current. And so I would always put my hand up to work in social media or help out the online editors wherever I was working because it was just so fun to put up something and get that immediate reaction, um, know exactly whether the audience was liking it because they were actually reading it and we could get that data. And so from there, I, I sort of thought it was time to really pursue that passion and get into the digital side of things. And so I worked at Cosmopolitan magazine in their digital team and that was so much fun. I learned so much coming from magazines where you'll get your features every month and then you slowly work chip away at them and work away on them to literally we need this story in 45 minutes. You need to call an expert. Um, we need that interview and it needs to be wrapped up in a pretty bow. Um, and you just had to get it done. And I think that's a great skill to have. I mean, that obviously wasn't very long ago. How do you think the industry has changed and has it surprised you with the rapid speed that everything has changed? Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. I think a lot of the jobs that people are doing now and that I'm doing now weren't around when I was at university, you know? Um, so I think things are changing so rapidly. I, I feel like we're kind of the pendulum has swung so far and we're kind of getting to the end of that clickbait era where we're just rehashing stories that are based around an Instagram post. We're inflating them to be something that they're not. People are clicking through in high volumes. They're reading it quickly and they're getting the hell out of there because, you know, it's almost feels a little bit cheap and dirty. So I think that a lot of publishers are now starting to, to really focus on on quality journalism, on long form stories, on stories that might be super interesting, but aren't quite as interesting as the latest Bachelorette drama, you know? Um, so I think that's a really exciting change. And I think that's one that's been pushed along by social media with the algorithm changes that happened. Facebook really shutting down a lot of publishers. It's really forced people to diversify, to look at the kind of content they're putting out and to really think about it. And I think that's been a really good thing. It'll be interesting to see. Like, there's, I feel like there's definitely a shift Hugely. In, the, in the air. Definitely. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. The third product on your list is one that you say is actually you have a few products sort of the you're talking Sorry, about the products. Grit. No, <laughs> I love cheated. It. Love it. The products that give you a confidence boost. Yes. So I do want to hear them, but the the first one is a bit of a iconic product: the Estee Lauder Double Wear Foundation. I love this foundation. So I have really oily skin. It's combination oily skin, so I've really hit the jackpot there. Um, so I really need a foundation that is going to last all day. Um, I usually can't get to 10 p.m. before I'm kind of blotting away the oil on my nose. So I find that this foundation, as it's oil-free, it goes on really beautifully. It's not cakey. It's not that thick. You can still see the skin underneath, which is what I like. I don't suit that cakey sort of makeup look. I don't think anyone does really, do they? So it's a really great formula. I love it. It also comes in 61 shades, which I think is really brilliant. I think it's got the most extensive shade range in Australia right now. 
don't quote me on that, but I think that might be true. And I think that sets a really great precedent for other brands um, to be a bit more inclusive. And what are some of the other products that you like to go to for a confidence boost? Yes, thank you, Britt. <laughs> I need a lot of confidence boosting. Um, so one of them is Bare Minerals Bare Skin Complete Coverage Serum Concealer. Um, it's an incredibly long name, but it deserves one. It's a bit one. of a mouthful, yeah. It's such a mouthful. It's this beautiful concealer. It's really hard to find a concealer that's not like spack filler and doesn't completely, you know, sit in all your lines and just completely cover your face. But also you don't want something so sheer that it doesn't actually cover what you're trying to cover. So I find that this is the perfect, walks the perfect line between those two. It really gives awesome coverage but it gives you quite a nice glow as well and you know I'm an oily person and I don't really want to put things on my face that are going to make me shine but it just does it in a really nice subtle way it's a beautiful formula and it's one of those products that after I've had a terrible night of sleep or you know I just want a little bit of something for during the day to make me feel a bit better I just dab that on underneath my eyes on those lovely tote size bags <laughs> thank you 19th month old baby and um, just around that redness around my nose I've got some acne scarring on my face too and it just makes me feel so much more confident when I have this product on I haven't tried that one before that sounds like you, you've sold me <sighs> please try that one so good Obviously working at Cosmo and Clio and Dolly, I can't not ask about your thoughts or reaction to obviously, I think it's this year or across the last two years, all three of them, iconic Australian titles have unfortunately shut down. Were you surprised? Uh, Look, I don't know that I was surprised, but I was definitely sad. And, you know, I've only just made the connection that I worked on all three of those magazines and they've now shut down. So little bit worried I might be the common denominator there <laughs> unrelated connection yeah thank you Britt. yeah yeah look I just find it sad I I still consume magazines I love Elle magazine I love Marie Claire magazine but I think that women are now trusting online sources um, they're trusting influencers on Instagram I know that I am I know that if I want an honest beauty review I'll generally go to an influencer I trust you, you ended up at Mamma Mia How did that happen? I was actually working at Cosmo with um, the wonderful Kate Spees, who you worked with as well. Um, She's a dear friend of mine and she was um, the senior producer at Cosmopolitan at the time and she's just brilliant. And anyway, we were very close. She went off to work somewhere else and then she ended up going to Mamma Mia and they needed someone to kind of fit in this sort of hybrid role of doing social media strategy, content strategy, and also some writing. So um, I came across and worked there and absolutely loved it. And fairly quickly, I was moved into the role of editor at The Glow. I think it was only after a few weeks of working there, perhaps. Um, So definitely threw me in the deep end, but I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun. And that's where I met you, Bridge. I was going to say, yes, that's where our paths crossed and you were and are best boss the best mentor I learned so much can't even begin to say how much I learned from you oh thank you Britt likewise (laughs) honestly I don't believe that but sure (laughs) what is the reality of being a beauty editor oh gosh I feel like for me I felt a lot of responsibility Uh, the publication that we were working for Mamma Mia is one that really prides itself on realness and authenticity and I didn't want to ever you know recommend a product to readers that I hadn't personally tried and really loved so I think 
I felt a lot of responsibility um, in that I really wanted to give honest reviews and honest feedback about products that wasn't skewed in any way. I just think for women who aren't in that incredibly privileged position of getting sent all of these incredible new release beauty products and can't kind of pick and choose and not actually have to spend any money on anything, it's really easy to recommend this or that. But I think for the everyday woman who, you know, 20 or 30 bucks is a big investment for something that might not work. So I really wanted to put out my honest opinion whenever I could. And what was your favourite part of the job of of being, of working in beauty in general? Oh, that's so hard, Britt. Obviously getting to see all the latest and greatest beauty products and test them out. There's nothing more fun than getting, you know, a new range of lipsticks come across your desk and just spend the next 20 minutes watching them or putting them on your face while people kind of look up from their desks and shake their heads at you. But We don't care about those haters, do we, Brit? We do not. (laughs) Um, So that was great fun. But I think also working with other women who are so passionate about beauty, you know, um, getting to meet you and see your absolute fire for this industry and the other women we worked with, it was, yeah, very happy days. I mean, I I kind of experienced this in working, but also the one thing that keeps coming up in the people that I interview for Beauty Island as well is that the beauty community, particularly in Australia – Everyone, all the beauty editors at different magazines are all friends. It seems like a really welcoming space and not bitchy at all like people outside of it might expect. Yes, I know. I'm always surprised when people think that it might be a bitchy sort of industry. Everyone's lovely and, you know, everyone has to have their their first time at an event where they kind of awkwardly walk in and just think, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, someone talk to me, please. Um, but I found that you know, I'd always walk in and there'd always be someone lovely to speak to. And then after a while you spend your days and weeks going to the same events with the same people and you get along really well. And I've had some of the biggest laughs ever when I've been on hilarious beauty trips or at events with other people. So I found it to be really lovely and inclusive. The fourth product on your list is one that I can confirm, not that I would think you would not use any, but can confirm that using this because it was the last thing you applied before we started doing this, which is the Lanolips 101 ointment, which seems to be a staple, a very popular one with people who work in beauty and, and beyond, obviously. What is so good about it? I cannot live without this product. I literally, if I'm starting to slightly run low, I will have another one ready like I'm literally got it here on the table and it's looking a bit sad but very don't well worry used. Brit yep there's another one <laughs> in the bag um, it's just a great product I think it's with a lot of good nourishing lip products sometimes they're a little bit too glossy or they're a little bit too wet this is the perfect consistency it does give your lips a nice little sheen but it's not over the top not like my Lancome Juicy (laughs) Tubes days I'm happy to report it's also really great on dry cuticles around your nose if you've had a cold and it's gone all dry sorry for the too much information there but it is wonderful I even use it on my daughter for that kind of stuff it's it's a really beautiful product and I love that it's Australian owned Kirsten Cariol is the CEO and the founder of it and she's a really inspiring woman and I really do love putting my money behind Australian brands whenever I can. As we've spoken about we're going through or it's quite a turbulent time a changing time in media for people who are just starting out who are deciding what to study at university or trying to get their foot in the door with beauty journalism. What is your advice? I mean what, what, what now that 
magazines obviously aren't necessarily the path as it traditionally was. What's your advice for people starting out? My advice would be to go for it. Don't listen to everyone that's saying there's no jobs, you'll never get a job. Everyone was saying that to me when I went into it as well and I'm doing okay. More than okay. <laughs> Thank you, Brit. So I think if, if it's something that you're really passionate about, just go for it. And by go for it, I mean, you know, either try and get your foot in the door and actually start in a role, um, study journalism or some form of communications at university. Just write. I think that if you're really wanting to be a writer, you need to write, write every day. It doesn't need to be much, but you need to practice what you preach, really. I think as well that you need to intern. I feel a little bit icky about interning. I think it's it's something that a lot of privileged people can do. I was lucky enough to be able to intern for 10 months, one day a week at Clio magazine when I was at uni because my parents lived in Sydney. I was living at home. I wasn't having to pay rent and support myself. And so I could sacrifice a day intern. But I think for a lot of people, that's not an option. So it's a difficult one. But I think if you can, try and intern for as many publications as you can. See if you can contribute to blogs. Just Put yourself out there and get some bylines and, and give it a go. Now, with product launches and events and everything, you've kind of seen all, all manner of, of claims and marketing the ways things are marketed. Is there anything in the way that beauty products are talked about that frustrates you? I mean, I mean, for me particularly, I hate anything that kind of tries to tap or encourage an insecurity that maybe I hadn't thought about, like, I don't know, the words crepey skin or like, I saw on Instagram an advert for a mask for your bum, like your bum cheeks, like a skin oh mask. And I was like, I hadn't even thought about it until then. Thanks. Neither. <laughs> when are you going to get your bum out there for everyone to look at? Who cares what it looks like? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm exactly the same. I really hate um, products that promote insecurity and I love this kind of new wave that's sort of against anti-aging. Not that I've got anything against anti-aging products myself because I'm starting to get to an age where I'm really needing to use them so I really love those ingredients but I think you can do it in a way that doesn't make women feel as though aging is like the worst thing that could ever happen to them when really the alternative is pretty dire so I think that brands you know drunk elephant the ordinary they're doing great things with products that don't scream at you that they're going to help your crepey neck or whatever it is and they really just focus on great ingredients and they kind of educate their audience about what they do and so you can make up your mind about whether you want to use them for anti-aging or whatever it might be I think that's that's the way forward I think particularly with brands like the ordinary controversy of what's has been oh, going goodness. on aside, which yeah, is a whole nother thing. Not even we won't go, go into there. that. <laughs> I really like that there also seems to be more of a shift into not necessarily simple beauty, but not hiding behind complex ingredients and, and really making sure that the consumer, or maybe consumers are much more active in going about understanding what they're putting on their face. Absolutely. I think we are. I think that people are starting to see these claims that are made by beauty brands and they're doing their own research and they're looking into those claims and those ingredients and they're making up their minds for themselves. So I think that brands are really starting to realize that consumers are incredibly intelligent. They know what they want exactly and they're not going to buy into any of these ridiculous claims that, you know, say that a face cream is going to have the same effect as a Botox because we all know that it's not unfortunately yeah. not yet <laughs> you've interviewed 
experts across all, all manner of beauty, as you mentioned. Is there a particular tip or piece of information that you learnt from those interviews that you kind of really swear by or that kind of took you by surprise? Look, there are a couple that I really implement into my own beauty routine and one of them is just dab, not rub. I think that when you put on beauty products, particularly things like concealers and maybe eyeshadows that you apply with your finger, there's this real tendency to kind of rub it on and kind of smear it across your face and it it's really not great for that product to absorb and it doesn't look good either. It kind of just moves the product from one side of your face to the next. So I think with concealer and that sort of thing, I will dab it on, not rub it. And it really does make a huge difference. It's very simple advice, but I think it really works. And another is actually one that our colleague, Carla Preston, who's a wonderful journalist herself, picked up and she interviewed a hairdresser and they said to her that when you're using a hairdryer you do not need to shake it around when you dry your hair and it was life-changing to me because it's not going to make your hair dry faster it's actually just going to ruffle up the cuticle and make your hair more frizzy by doing that but I find that one a little bit difficult to apply to my life I find that the muscle memory is there and my wrist just goes and flips around it just feels like it's going to dry better that way so I'm yet to master that one but that one was life-changing those are two great ones. I mean, I'm reminiscing about all the times I blow dry my hair and I'm just shaking like a mad woman. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't make it go faster. And we need I to know. stop that. <laughs> the fifth product on your list is a holy grail or your greatest discovery, which are, is, are AHAs? AHAs. Yes. They're incredible. So I'm not too fussy about the brand. So I love Paula's Choice. Has some great ones. Um, Nip and Fab have great glycolic pads. Dr. Natasha Cook, um, a wonderful Sydney dermatologist, has this wonderful concentrated clarifier and it is such a beautiful AHA. But basically, I just, I feel like with beauty, often you've got to be very patient and you've got to wait for something to work and you're told to use it for at least four weeks and to see the difference. And I'm just way too impatient for that. So I feel like with this product, you really can notice the difference. It really brightens, it gets rid of all of that dead old skin and I found that with my acne scarring it's helped a lot I went through this horrible period of adult acne um, a few years ago and my skin's it's not brilliant but it's not in the dire straits it was at that time and I really needed something to help all the scars that were being left behind on my face post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation uh, is the technical word for it but I just noticed that my skin just didn't bounce back it just kept these pimple marks on my face for weeks and I really found that applying HAs and BHAs on my face has helped to dull those marks a bit it's not a drastic improvement but it's definitely noticeable to my eye and I just think that's incredible that something that you can buy over the counter fairly cheaply can really have a radical difference on your skin and just for if you don't know what AHAs are it stands for alpha hydroxy acids and beta hydroxy acids yes and it's basically a chemical exfoliant yes chemical exfoliants BHAs are really great for acneic skin um, they really get into the pores and clean them out so they are perfect for me I've got quite big pores um, and AHAs really do their thing in yeah getting rid of that dead skin and you know you put it on at night and then you wake up the next morning with this really fresh glowy skin so it's a good one this is quite a cliched question but I feel like I can't not ask it in 
the last two years, your life has obviously changed a lot with the birth of your beautiful 19-month-old daughter, May. Has, I mean, it goes without saying that your life has changed, but what is life like now? Absolutely. It felt like my life got turned completely upside down when she came along and I was walking along on the roof. Like it literally is that much of a life change having a baby. Well, it was for me anyway. Um, It's been brilliant. It's been so brilliant. Um, It's definitely hard. Um, Being a mum is one of the hardest things you can do. You're really putting your body on the line. It's not really yours anymore. You're either pregnant and carrying someone else or you're breastfeeding and you know your existence is now caring for this gorgeous little human so that's been a huge change but it's also been a really exciting change in that it's made me probably even more ambitious than ever to pursue my work as well and in doing that I have recently started my own business so at the beginning of this year I really kicked into gear uh, my consulting agency by Edwina so I do copywriting and content strategy for beauty and lifestyle brands. And I'm also carrying on doing my uh, lifestyle and beauty journalism as well. So I'm getting the best of both worlds and I'm really, I'm loving the juggle at the moment. It's definitely hard, but it's really rewarding. And obviously with your journalism, like you've been published in Sydney Morning Herald, news.com today, you, Body and Soul, Mamma Mia, the, I could spend five minutes listing all the publications so it's wonderful and I think one thing that you have or one subject that you have obviously written more of in the last year or so is about being a mum and parenting which we all know with the advent of social media and online is a whole different ball game because people are people that strangers are commenting on Mm -hmm. people's decisions about being a parent now being in that and part of that did that surprise you does it frustrate you because I know you've also written about what a great community you found being a mum and online? I think motherhood's hard because everyone's got an opinion about it, literally everyone. And the reason that I've been writing a lot more about it is because I want to help other mothers who are going through the things that I might have gone through um, and are just needing that positive voice. Because when you're a mum, you know, you're up at nighttime, you're feeding a baby, you've got a lot of time to be reading up about things. And, you know, I've spent countless hours in terrible mum forums getting very worried about things so it's really refreshing when you come across an article about someone who's gone through the same thing as you and you can nod along you can feel less alone and so you know I had some struggles with breastfeeding I found that incredibly hard it's incredibly painful I mean every done everyone tells you that labor is painful well breastfeeding wow it hurts um (laughs) and and I also came across a lot of mum friends who found that they couldn't really share their positive stories because there's you know there's such a community of mums sharing those those difficult aspects and finding solace there but what do you do when you're actually finding things to be really wonderful so I really wanted to share that side of things so I think that for me writing about motherhood is solely for the purpose of just helping you know even one mum sitting up at night breastfeeding in bed in the dark through that period of her life that's so important and I mean from the response of the things that you have shared it's clear that you're doing that and more we come to the sixth product which is the perfume on your list and I love talking about perfume and you have a very interesting attitude towards perfume which I really like but the one that you love is the Jo Malone wood sage and sea salt 
Yes, it's such a beautiful fragrance. I think it was a little bit like love at first sight. It was like I'd found the one when I smelt this beautiful perfume. Um, It really takes me to the beach. It's such a unique summery scent, even though I wear it in winter too. And I just, whenever I put it on, it feels like me. And I think that comes back to beauty being all about making you feel a certain way and it just makes me feel so good and so happy and so I put it on I've obviously got it on now but I put it on whenever I need a little boost Um, but I'm also someone who's not very loyal to perfumes Um, I really I kind of envy those people who've got their signature fragrance and you know they've got the the bottles lined up and they'll just go through that for the rest of their lives. But I'm not like that. I'm just not loyal to any brand. And I love scents that remind me of different things. And for me, it's not just about a perfume or a fragrance. Food smells remind me of different things. Um, It could be even beauty products like lipsticks that Charlotte Tilbury's beautiful lipsticks have this lovely scent and it takes me back to my childhood. I don't know what lipstick I was <laughs> I was getting into, poor mum. But I think, yeah, scent really has the power to, to bring up different memories and the more the merrier. I definitely agree. I love perfume too much to narrow it down to a signature scent. Did you wear a perfume for your wedding? What was the scent that you chose yes, to wear? Yes, I did. Funnily enough, I wore the first perfume I'd ever owned, which was... Dior J'adore. Um, it's a really beautiful scent. I'm not really sure why I chose to wear that on my wedding day. I think there were too many choices to make. It was like seat coverings, cake, you know, rings, dress. And it was just like, oh, look, let's just go with something that I know and love. And so, yeah, I don't put that on as much, funnily enough, because I think, you know, it has a special place with that day now. But I do bring it out and have a little sniff every now and then and have a little smile to myself. You mentioned before that obviously in the last year or so, you've launched your own business by Edwina. And I wonder, was the decision to go from obviously coming back from your maternity leave, deciding what you do, and then deciding to go out on your own and freelance, set up your own business, was it a scary decision to make? Extremely scary. I was worried that the hormones were making me go a little crazy and I was about to make the worst decision of my life because, you know, my role at Mamma Mia was amazing. I was working with people that I really loved and still love. I was getting to do incredible work. I was also getting to learn the commercial side of the business and I really loved that kind of stuff. And so to go out on my own when I was really comfortable and I was really happy where I was, was it felt a little bit silly. But I'm so glad that I took the leap. It was scary at first and, you know, I am wonderful with words and all that kind of stuff. But the business side of things has been where the real learning has come. But I'm I'm really getting the hang of it. I'm really fortunate to work with some incredible brands doing a lot of consulting and content and and I just find it so fulfilling. It's it's really nice to be able to pick and choose all those little things that I'm passionate about, like whether it's helping a brand with their content marketing strategy or maybe it might be just some social media advice or maybe some copywriting for their website. And then I can also do my journalism stuff. So I just feel very fortunate that I can, yeah, pick and mix. What is your proudest moment of your career? Is it going out on your own? I think so. Yeah. I think that it's always something I'd wanted to do. I'd thought about freelancing in the past, but I'd always felt a little bit too scared and too fearful. But I think there's something about, you know, standing on the precipice of change, about to have a baby that really gets you moving. And I just decided to leap 
and do it. And and I'm just so glad I did it. It's been it's been a huge learning curve, but it's been a really really fun one. Now we're almost at the end of the list of your products. So product number seven, which is one of the most expensive products you've ever tried or one that you really like, which is the Dyson hairdryer. Now I'm really excited to hear this because when, particularly when you see, I mean, makeup is one thing um, which you can go out and try and buy if you want, but when it's these kind of big beauty investments, you really want to hear from the experts or people that you trust that it's going to be worth it. So I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this. So you rate the Dyson hairdryer. I love it. I mean, I am fortunate enough to have been sent it through work. That's a massive disclaimer, but I genuinely love this product. So it's got a digital motor that is in the handle so it's not clunky like old-fashioned hair dryers it also goes at a really fast speed so it dries your hair really quickly um, it doesn't take as long as traditional hair dryers it's also really really quiet and I love that because often my daughter will be napping I go have a shower and I need to get ready and I don't want to wake her up you know with a hair dryer that sounds like a plane landing (laughs) they really Um, do they do so this one is super quiet look if you've got 4.99 and you want to blow it somewhere i would definitely suggest this if not i think there are plenty of great products that are of a lower price but it's definitely worth it in my opinion i love it and i think it's interesting as well obviously i don't know that we both love a budget beauty product but i think it's also important to remember that sometimes the reason that products are so expensive is because of the technology or the research that has gone into them. So obviously not everything just because it has a high price tag is good, but it's nice to know. Absolutely. Always good to know the ones that really are worth your money as well. What is your makeup routine like in terms of are you a kind of an always makeup on person or do you enjoy the ritual of putting on makeup when you're getting ready for something? I do. I think that's part of why I love beauty so much. It's really such a pleasure to have a beauty ritual. Um, I don't wear that much makeup every single day. I certainly relish the chance to put it on when I get to, but I find that skincare, I'm pretty simple. Um, I love my serums, hyaluronic hyaluronic acid serums are just the best. Um, They're so hydrating and, and whenever I've had one of those nights where my daughter's been up all night teething or what have you, I can slap that on in the morning and I just feel like my, my skin you know, sucks it in and it's totally quenched and, you know, lines are gone for a moment there. So I really love all manner of serums. I try not to layer on too many products because as I said, my skin's very oily and I just find that too much on my skin, it'll just rebel and it'll be an oil slick in 10 minutes. So yeah, I'm pretty simple. Is there someone or some people in particular that you feel has had a real influence or shape to you are personally or professionally? Absolutely. I think personally, my mum is a real inspiration to me. She's someone who has taught me the value of being a kind person and a fair person, whether or not I always practice those lessons is another thing, but she certainly tried to teach me. And she's also got incredible personal style. I think that, you know, you can follow the trends and the fashions, but true style is something quite rare. And my mother has it in spades she's always worn bright lipsticks she is a little bit like a multicolored bowerbird she just is attracted to beautiful colorful things and you know I'm starting to get a little bit more that way in now that I'm getting older I think I'm trying to emulate my mum they do say that you always turn into your mother don't they and that's definitely happening in my case and if I do it will be a wonderful thing so there have been 
so many incredible women that I've worked with in my career, but a couple that stand out are definitely Kate Spees, who I worked with firstly at Cosmo and then at Mamma Mia. She's now in New York doing incredible things over there. She's just someone who really pushed me and knew how far I could go. And And I really appreciated that. She forced me to see my full potential and she always made me go for it. And I'll be forever grateful to her for that. Um, She's also just generally a wonderful human being. Um, So I'm very fortunate to have met her. Also, Jamila Rizvi is another one. She was the editor-in-chief at Mamma Mia when I worked there. And she's just one of those people that you know she's going to be prime minister one day. Like I have no doubt about it. And anyone who knows her would completely know what I'm talking about. She's a real inspiration. She's currently gone through a tough time. She's had some brain tumors and she's just bounce back she's positive she's still helping other people she's constantly recommending me to people and helping me out with my business and she's just a truly lovely person so I feel very lucky to to have met those two and also just saying how those people have shaped you but how much you've spread that to other people as well by returning the favor not that it's a favor but you know what I mean (laughs) that's lovely of you to say (laughs) and we're on to your final product which is very handy considering you're being sent to Beauty Island, which is sunscreen. And obviously it's not the most glamorous recommendation, but time and time again, the best anti-aging tip that the experts and beauty editors say is sunscreen. Yes. So I think sunscreen is one of the most underrated beauty products. It said that 80% of aging comes from the sun. So I kind of think, why would you not prevent so that you don't have to go out and spend so much money later on. I just don't see the sense of people who will spend so much on going to a clinic and all of these treatments and then they still don't wear a sunscreen. It amazes me. Crazily, I jumped aboard the sunscreen train because of some beauty advice my dad gave me. Interesting. I I know, I know. So he, when I was in my teens, he said that he'd read an interview with Linda Evangelista once and she'd said that, her best tip is to wear sunscreen because prevention is better than cure. And he passed that on to me. And amazingly, as a 16 year old, I took that on board and I have gone by that mantra ever since I've worn sunscreen almost every day since I was 16. And I just think there are some great products out there. My friends will be able to attest that I'm like this. They call me Cancer Council because I'm that person at the beach that's hovering over them, trying to get them to cover up their faces or at least put a little bit more sunscreen on. So I am that annoying person, but I'm very passionate about sun protection. And so the ones that I love, I'm not too fussed, but for my face, I really love Clinique City Block. It has a nice tint to it. It's a physical sunscreen. And because it's got this lovely tint to it, it's not, it doesn't have that, you know, signature white cast that a lot of physical sunscreens come with. So that's a really beautiful product. And it's great for those days where you might just want a little bit of tint, dab on a bit of concealer, some mascara, and then you're out the door. I also love Neutrogena sunscreens. I think they do really great ones. Also Invisible Zinc do some good ones. I've just started trialing their new sheer sunscreen and I'm liking that so far. So what is next for you in terms of what you are hoping to achieve or what you would like to do? I am really passionate about growing my business. You know, I started off this year kind of giving it a go and I thought I'd see how it went and if things weren't going well, then I might have to consider going back into some kind of a office 
job, but things have really taken off. I've got incredible clients, gotten to the point where I'm having to say to people, you know, I can't get onto this for a few months. Are you happy to wait? And most of the time they are. And that's, that's just fantastic. So I think that I'm realizing that there's a lot of potential in this sort of career where you're doing a whole lot of different things that you're really passionate about at once. And, you know, for anyone who's thinking about doing it themselves, I would say to give it a go. You never know where it's going to go. And if, if you're passionate about something, you're going to make it work. Just talking to you, you know, you can't hide your passion for what you do. So it's so lovely to hear you talk so passionately about, about your job. Now, some people say this is the hardest question. I guess it depends. It is obviously now we've spoken about all eight of your products and you can only take, because I'm so cruel, I'm only letting you actually take one to Beauty Island. I will preface this by saying I will be giving you sunscreen because we couldn't imagine anything else from what you've just said. So you will be getting sunscreen. But if you could pick just one of the products that you've talked about to kind of keep you company on the island, which one would you pick? Goodness, that's difficult. I would probably choose um, my fragrance, Jo Malone Wood Sage and Sea Salt, because I feel like it would go hand in hand with an island environment. And look, I've probably got no deodorant or any other supplies, so it it probably would come in handy if I was trying to, you know, enamour myself with the native inhabitants or whatever. (laughs) Excellent choice. Eddie, thank you so much for being on Beauty Island. Thank you, Britt. It's been a pleasure. enjoyed listening to this episode of beauty island you can find all the links to eddie's chosen products and where to follow her on instagram in the show notes of this episode i also have a favor to ask if you liked this episode it would mean the world to me if you could rate it five stars and write a little review as a small independent podcast this makes such a difference in helping other beauty lovers find us And if you're not subscribed already, hit that button to make sure you're the first to get all the new episodes as they drop. If you want to chat or have questions or recommendations, you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast. And I also have a weekly beauty newsletter called It's a Beauty, which is like a weekly beauty column packed with beauty reviews and tips. I'll pop the link to sign up for that. It's free in the show notes too. Thank you so much. And until next time, bye-bye.